0: And welcome to Zip Files, a weekly Technology news catch catch-up show. This week, we're thinking about Uber, the ride-hailing startup that carries millions of us around every day, thinking about the safety of putting ourselves in the hands of an Uber driver. Around that, I'll quick-fire pepper you with all the interesting tech news of the last week. Ah, oh, but remember, we do news a bit differently here on the Zip Files, We're fun, I promise. And to prove it, I'm speaking to my friend Alex this week.
1: So I'm Alex, I grew up in Paris, uh, came, came over to the UK to study. And for the past uh, for the past few months or so, I've been working at BCG Digital Ventures, where I'm a senior engineer there, uh, building startups for clients.
0: He's a great man with interesting ideas about the utility of bed legs. Anyway, without further ado, let's get you all caught up with this week in tech. A company called EarthNow has raised a bunch of cash from investors including Bill Gates, Airbus and SoftBank. They want to put a constellation of satellites into orbit to provide live and unfiltered footage of our blue planet. These video streams will be accessible from smartphones and tablets and available for developers to use in their apps. EarthNow says that this is a dramatic leap forward from systems currently in place. When I read the news, I was a bit like, wait a moment, what's the juice here? Why do we want to look at ourselves in space 24-7? Well, it turns out there's a host of great reasons. The live footage could be used to track animal migration patterns, the spread of forest fires, illegal fishing, and much, much more. Google has revealed an augmented reality microscope that uses machine learning to quickly recognise cancerous cells. The current process, which involves a doctor looking through a standard microscope, is both time-consuming and difficult. Google's new system is a lot faster, It uses a modified light microscope with an augmented reality display and camera that communicate with integrated machine learning and image analysis algorithms. When the algorithms notice cancer, they will highlight it in real time to the human behind the microscope. This technology can be retrofitted onto old microscopes, which means that the solution could in fact be quite affordable. In the future, Google says that the system could be used to identify a whole host of diseases beyond cancer. When we'll see this prototype find its way into the real world is unclear but it's great to see it progressing if you had to start a cult what would your cult be
1: a cult is like people following me based on an idea
0: yeah exactly nice definition yeah yeah
1: i think it has to be something tech i think it's something that has to do with like tech and education um something good i think if it if it had to be some sort of cult i guess it would be like some sort of like yeah tech knowledge um learn how this stuff around you works <laughs>
0: That that sounds that sounds more like a school than, than a cult. Oh, f- <laughs> Goldman Sachs, the U.S. banking giant, has hired Justin Schmidt into a newly minted position: head of digital asset markets. Yep, Justin is the bank's first employee who will focus exclusively on cryptocurrencies. He won't do any actual trading at the bank, despite his past experience as a crypto trader, but instead will explore the possibility of Goldman creating a Bitcoin trading desk. If Justin's work goes well, and they go ahead with the desk, then Goldman will be the first major US bank to do so. Big banks started to explore the nascent crypto space last year as the price of Bitcoin soared to over $20,000 and public interest ballooned. Since then, there's been a significant correction, with Bitcoin sitting around $9,200 dollars, At the time of writing, Amazon had a good week as they announced a stellar first quarter profit. Revenue jumped up 43% to $51 billion, with profit more than doubling to $1.6 billion. Amazon Web Services grew 49%, and their relatively new advertising business showed signs that Google and Facebook should be watching their backs. This success is a display of might from Amazon as they show investors how readily they can leverage their business to make significant profits. In the next quarter, it is likely that the company will return to its aggressive reinvestment strategy and forego turning a meaningful profit. In the middle of the announcement, Amazon's chief financial officer Brian Olsavsky Olsavsky, broke the news that the annual price of Amazon's Prime service would increase from $99 to $119 starting May 11th. In after-hours trading, Amazon's stock rocketed up 7% to an all-time high. Sequoia, one of the world's most prestigious venture firms, has raised more than $6 billion for its new venture capital fund. Founded in 1972, Sequoia made early investments in some of today's largest tech companies from Apple to Airbnb. But this will be the largest fund they have ever managed, and in fact the biggest fund to come out of the US. So far, the $6 billion total has been raised mostly from new investors. But, a person familiar with the matter told Bloomberg, the Sequoia aims to tap existing investors for about another $2 billion. What are they raising so much cash for? Well, to compete with SoftBank's huge Vision Fund, which raised a dizzying $98 billion in 2016, and has proceeded to invest huge sums in companies like Uber and Flipkart. There is over $1 trillion of dry powder, aka cash yet to be invested, sitting in the funds of VCs worldwide. If you're planning on starting a company, take note the next few years are assured to be a great time to raise money as venture capitalists spend those funds. Welcome to this week's Long stranger pulled up and offered you a lift home, it would be sensible to say no and quicken your pace in the opposite direction. You probably learned this in How to Not Die 101 as a kid. Careful of strangers, Barry, especially ones with sweets. Your mum might have chimed as you skipped off to the playground. But then we grew up and Uber came along, a ride-hailing company that formalised and normalised the process of getting into the back of a stranger's car. Sometimes these strangers even offer us sweets. Now, through a slick app with a well-placed few clicks, and in exchange for a fee, an Uber driver will whiz you around in nearly 800 cities worldwide. The company's growth has been a phenomenon to behold, as consumers have become addicted to the sheer ease of getting around. No more trying to find an expensive cab in the rain, just click and you're home dry. The thing is that this explosive growth was built on a rather dangerous philosophy. One that we've berated before on the zip files, move fast and break things. This approach has made Uber one of the most controversial startups of our generation as it goes about operating without license in cities worldwide, decimating local taxi industries and all too often neglecting the safety of its riding customers. Today we're going to focus on that last point, rider safety. When you get in the back of an Uber, just how safe are you? Can we trust the company has adequately vetted the drivers who are carrying us around? The truth is, we simply don't know. And that's pretty scary. Uber is responsible for millions of trips worldwide every day. And we just don't know how safe these trips are. How often do drivers get into serious accidents? How often are passengers assaulted by their drivers and vice versa? We don't know. And we don't know because, unlike public transportation companies, Uber doesn't have to report on such things, something that seems increasingly ridiculous. So what are the pillars of safety that should seem immediately relevant to you when getting into a stranger's car? Firstly, is this guy or gal any good at driving? That's pretty important. If they career off down the road, honking and swerving their way through fast-moving traffic, then that's less than ideal. If you are British, then your sensibilities will probably see you sitting quietly, uncomplaining, politely praying to any god that will listen that this maniacal Sebastian Vettel wannabe isn't going to kill you both. And then secondly, you're hoping that this driver is just in the business to drive you where you want to go, not to drive you somewhere else and try to sexually assault you. These are the two pillars of safety that Uber has a responsibility to control. Last month, an Uber in self-driving mode was navigating itself around in Arizona as part of the company's efforts to develop the autonomous technology when it struck and killed a woman crossing the road. The car made no effort to brake or avoid the victim, showing that its systems just didn't see her. They failed in a tragic way. It is true that the car that killed was not being driven by an Uber driver, and thus is not directly indicative of the level of driver ability at the ride-hailing startup. But, nevertheless, it gives us an idea of Uber's attitude towards safety. It was discovered after the accident that Uber had been struggling with its self-driving car technology. Google's autonomous car arm Waymo can bumble along for an average of 5,600 miles before the need for human intervention. In Uber's case, intervention is necessary on average every 13 miles. That's really abysmal in comparison, and testing on real roads with this kind of performance is life-endangering. So our first pillar of safety, driver ability, we might assume is a little unstable. It's tough to really know. Anecdotally, I've made hundreds of journeys in Ubers over the years, and it's rare that I find myself at the wanton whim of a maniac. In fact, I more often find myself feeling religious in the cars of traditional cab companies. Regardless, we deserve to know truly how well Uber does on this point, how the accident rate compares with the rest of the industry. In my opinion, this is data that they should be obliged to make available. When it comes to our second pillar, the frequency of driver malevolence, there is a more easily discernible theme emerging. In 2015, Uber faced 32 accusations of rape or sexual assault by drivers in London alone. Take a pause and consider that, because that is disgusting. That is a sex act at the hand of an Uber driver every 11 days in London alone. These incidents are often dealt with by Uber out of the public eye and settled before they make it to court, Indeed, the company claims that when we use the app, we are agreeing to closed-door arbitration should we ever have a dispute with Uber. This practice of forced private arbitration is common amongst big corporations and by no means exclusive to Uber. But it is one that is coming under increasing fire amidst concerns that it silences victims to the benefit of the company's bottom line and reputation." This week, 14 women in the US petitioned Uber's board to allow them to take their case beyond arbitration and to open court. In the letter to the board, they speak of their harrowing experiences in Uber cars. One of the women awoke in the backseat of an Uber to find the driver sexually assaulting her. Another recounts a journey that was meant to end at her sister's house, but instead ended at that of the Uber driver and was punctuated by rape. The women aren't just seeking monetary compensation for their trials, but also that the company be more responsible in their hiring process, that Uber enhance the background checks that they do on drivers, and take other related steps to make sure these incidents do not keep happening. Uber is making progress. In recent weeks, they announced they would employ a third party to monitor their drivers for criminal offences, something which is an incremental step towards making the service safer. But they've got a long way to go. How long that way is, is a length that we cannot divine. They haven't given us the data. Careful of strangers, Barry, especially ones with sweets. Your mum might have chimed as you skipped off to the playground. In the case of mine, she's forgotten her own advice. As have most of us. It's easy to ignore when the convenience and relative affordability of strangers with cars is factored in. The thing is, that whilst these drivers will always be strangers to us, they should not be to Uber. Uber has a responsibility to know their drivers, to have a high degree of trust in any one of them. There will always be bad people, that's a particularly unfortunate life truth, but they shouldn't easily find their place in the employ of a ride hailing startup. 32 Londoners should not have become the victims of sexual assault in 2015, and I should not have to use a stat from that far back to illustrate my point. Uber you are deliberating over whether to release the data behind such incidents, I implore you to do so. To improve, you must first acknowledge. inanimate object do you wish you could eliminate from existence?
1: <laughs> uh-huh. What inanimate object yeah. removed from existence?
0: Yeah.
1: So it has to be something that doesn't, that doesn't move, that really pisses me off.
0: It can move like a car's inanimate, right?
1: Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> not <laughs> I think, I think the one thing are are going to be the I don't even know how to quote it in English. That the things that are, are, are on the bottom of the beds, you know, those like
0: <laughs> <laughs> throws. But,
1: no, the I mean the, the the legs of the bed, you know. Yes. And I think if there's one thing that I'd remove is I would just replace <laughs> that with nothing and just have the bed sitting on the ground.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? You don't want I, bed legs? I, I
1: think every, at least every three mornings, I bump my, f- my, my foot in these bed legs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Also, think Snapchat, who unveiled the second generation of their spectacles last week. The Snapchat spectacles are glasses with an inbuilt camera that allows wearers to record video or take photos, which are then shared on the Snapchat app. The first generation flopped massively, with the company having to write off some $40 million in losses, as only 220,000 were sold. The company hoped that the new, more comfortable design, joined by water resistance, a better quality camera, and faster transferred speeds to the app, will see snap spectacles on the faces of all the cool kids this summer. Personally, no thank you, I don't really want camera glasses on my head that make everyone on the train look at me like a high-tech pervert. Facebook has had a monopoly over tech news for the past month, as controversy after controversy has hit the embattled social network. But it seems that Mark and his blue-badged company have made it through with little more than a slight loss of face. This week, Facebook announced an extremely successful first quarter that saw revenue rise 49% to $11.97 billion, beating analysts' expectations by over $500 million. This came, by the way, from healthy ad sales. Even amid the hashtag-delete-Facebook movement, the social network has seen user growth it just goes to show that whilst we might pretend to care about our privacy, we just don't seem to care that much. Or at least we are far too addicted to the platform that feeds our serotonin-bumping likes to leave. YouTube published their first ever quarterly enforcement report, which details the website's efforts to moderate content. During the three-month reporting period spanning October through December 2017, YouTube deleted 8.3 million videos for breaching its community guidelines. This figure doesn't include videos removed for copyright or other legal reasons. It is interesting to see that YouTube's automated tools are doing a pretty good job. Of the 8.3 million deleted videos, 6.7 million were brought to the attention of moderators by YouTube's algorithms, and then 1.1 million were reported by trusted individuals. Now, I'm not quite sure what that means, but big up, trusted individuals, I suppose. And then 0.4 million were reported by actual YouTube users. What I found quite interesting is that when YouTube removes a video, they then store a digital fingerprint of that video so that it can never be uploaded to the platform again. That's quite cool. That's quite clever. YouTube also announced the introduction of a reporting dashboard where you can track the status of videos you have reported. If you could know the absolute and total truth to one question, what question would you ask?
1: <laughs> if I could know the absolute truth to one question? I think it has to be something very philosophical, like something very deep, something like you know, why why are we here? Something that's so open-ended, I would be so confused by the answer.
0: <laughs> what do you reckon the answer would be? <laughs>
1: Man, I, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. you. <laughs> why why are we here? I think it's like some sort of like, I'd be happy with like an answer of like a multi-universe kind of scenario where, I don't <laughs> why we are personally here is is to solve some sort of you know, science experiment on on the like like ant farms. You know, I think that would like that would be like my ideal answer to that question. What? You, ideally, you, you want to be in an, an ant farm. Ideally, I want to be like part of some massive scientific experiment <gasps> what? A multi, multi-universe multi you know, AB variants you know, 10,000 little ant farms and we're one of them, chilling
0: Flickr, the photo sharing pioneer sometimes credited with creating social media itself, has been acquired by the independent image hosting firm SmugMug, <laughs> that's a great name the terms of the deal haven't been disclosed, but it's good news for Flickr's community of 75 million users who have used the site to store tens of billions of photos since its inception in 2004. Yahoo had acquired Flickr back in 2005 for approximately $25 million, but underinvested in the young company, meaning that it missed out on the smartphone revolution and so fell into relative irrelevance in the age of Facebook and Instagram. In 2016, Verizon then acquired the ailing Yahoo for $4.8 billion and started to sell off parts of the business whilst cutting costs. The smug mug acquisition has quelled fears that Flickr was to meet its demise amidst imminent cuts. According to Fast Company, Apple's iPhone X sales are flagging despite its success over the December holiday season and launching to praiseful reviews. A source within Apple's supply chain has revealed that the company will only make a paltry 8 million units in the second quarter as demand for the expensive handset slows. There is plenty of evidence to support the verity of this claim when you look at the reports of companies along Apple's supply chain. TSMC, which produces many of the chips for the iPhone X, has revised expected earnings down from $8.8 billion to $7.8 billion for the quarter. Australian AMS, who provides some of the components involved with Apple's facial recognition system, also had a warning for investors, this time that its revenues in the second quarter were likely to be half that of the first quarter. Apple will have a full report in the coming week. Until then, let's keep everything in perspective. Although the iPhone X is likely to be a disappointment, it is expected that 60 million units will have sold by the time the new 2018 iPhones launch. 60 million iPhone Xs that will have earned Apple around $59 billion in revenue. Not too shoddy as disappointments go. And it's done. (laughs) It's over. You can open your eyes now. Take it all in. Hopefully the tech world around you makes a bit more sense. You're all caught up. If you enjoyed the show, then please share the zip files with a friend. If you hated it, then please share it with an enemy. Also, sorry to be hashtag that guy, but if you're feeling bright and breezy, happy and friendly, then rating the zip files five stars on Apple Podcasts would help me out massively. I love you all. Until next Sunday, enjoy your oat milk lattes and have a great week.